Hello everyone. Welcome to the episode 92 of Solid Saturday. The guest we have today, Brian Asinjia, is CEO and co-founder of the Dream Galaxy platform and innovation studio that trains, advises and funds ethical entrepreneurial leaders to launch, grow and scale inclusive innovations. He has over 10 years involvement in the intersection of economy, business development, environment, technology and the arts. With a focus on Africa, Brian began his career on Wall Street and moved on to work with startups and as a consultant with governments, diplomats, educational institutions and programs. Dream Galaxy curates and distributes authentic, culturally relevant educational media for homeschoolers, school districts and lifelong learners to inspire and engage the next generation of ethical entrepreneurial leaders around the world. He is the author of Cashless Society 101 and The Last Digital Frontier. So, would you like to join me and welcome Brian on our today's episode? and let's just explore about his career journey how did he find his area of interest and managing to lead it hey hi brian very happy to have you on the show and really appreciate all your time and consideration being on the show thank you for having me it's a pleasure to meet you bachari yeah thank you so much uh, it's uh, totally my pleasure and to begin with we have our general segment where we always ask that you know how did you find your passion or the interest in this particular field so how did you end up having this passion and uh, build your career in it and what motivates you to be here every day yeah uh, i think for me uh, how i found my passion i would say just reading uh, so reading about um especially entrepreneurs that always came to the US and 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 sort of got to succeed through starting a business or doing something uh, so I've always admired the the whole concept of enterprise of building something mm-hmm. uh in a more specific way I'm at uh really trying to have uh an investment fund focused on uh, emerging markets uh in the digital uh, payment space uh so that's long term really where I see my focus being right and so for now uh anything i can do to support people building companies uh whether it's through thought leadership of, of of writing books or advising or partnering with accelerators uh that's really how i spend my day today and it's exciting and it's fun to maybe not try to build everything yourself uh-huh. but those who are doing the building uh-huh. uh, that are on that kind of shift to be somewhat more uh-huh. fulfilling for me to know that i'm helping other people um make their dreams a reality uh by helping them build whatever they're building so that's that's one way to put it wow that's great actually and really really happy to have you uh we have the second segment which is more or about the questions from the audience and the first question that we have is around your area of interest actually which is uh, inclusive innovation how can inclusive innovation initiatives be expanded to improve welfare and facilitate the demo democratization of innovation yeah that's a very good one i i think that inclusive innovation is important because uh, for me uh i didn't touch a computer until i was 18 right to discover the concept of the internet and and what computers can do and so 
uh, I think access becomes an important uh, uh, part of the conversation. Uh, you don't, you know, sometimes often the best technologies or, or working technologies are still not accessible to millions of people around the world. And we wonder why um, we are not getting that, you know, information flowing to the people who need it the most. So mm -hmm. I think access technology uh, is an, or any initiative for that matter, right? If you're thinking from a policy perspective, how do you make sure your policy uh, maybe not necessarily mandates, but encourages access, uh, you know, for all to be considered yeah. as, as, a, as a design imperative. Um, it obviously adds cost uh, if you think about accessibility, both mm -hmm. in terms of social needs, but also just language, right? So if you look at Google and mm -hmm. what they've done wonderfully uh, by supporting local languages in India, and I think now more and more, uh, you know, African languages are being supported into these kind of native technologies. Mm -hmm. It makes it easy for more people to use technology without having to relearn another language. And mind you, if you need to learn a new language to use a tool, right? I mm -hmm. think that should be the, 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 the test. Do you need to learn another language to use a certain type of software or technology? Mm -hmm. uh, that is a barrier. Uh, so I think access to me becomes a, an important one. Obviously, there's four other parameters I use. One is identity, and that we've touched on that, like language localization becomes important. Ownership, how do we make sure the very people that are going to use or buy these technologies are part owners or part of the creation process? Mm -hmm. And then trust is, is ultimately the last piece, uh, you know, trust both between the designers and, and the ultimate users. So I think that's basically the four main way, ways we can get there. Yep, yep, yep. That's very true. And as you mentioned, that is uh, very much like an advantage of a technology, right? That it, yeah. it is uh, useful for everybody. Like, you know, it makes things simple than the complicated. So thank you so much for highlighting that point. One yeah. more question that we have is, what are the impacts of innovation? and innovation policy on industrial, social, and territorial inclusiveness? I think the impacts of policy are huge. And that's actually, for me, why I'm where I am, because I'm an electrical and computer engineer by training. But I, I took one policy class in undergrad, and that changed my whole life, right? Uh, in it, I realized sometimes it's not the best ideas that win. Uh-huh either culturally or ideas that get the most funding. So I think policy can help in directing funding to critical mm -hmm. areas. Um, that's often a policy mandate or imperative, uh, especially now more than ever. I mean, you're seeing a lot of funding getting directed to health and, and, and other sort of welfare concerns, which is needed, our infrastructure yeah. needs, um, but also regulatory. <laughs> uh, you know, issues around data privacy, cybersecurity, uh, again, and access come to mind in terms of uh, are these digital payments only working for a few or for the most, right? And, and the funny quick example on that is if you look at some countries like Kenya mm -hmm. or even in that particular amount of digital payments are increasingly becoming the norm mm -hmm. because they sell simple, low-cost mobile technology called texting. Mm -hmm. that anybody can use. It doesn't have to be a, 
an app or some fancy graphic user interface. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's because government policy favors that to be the norm. In countries like Nigeria or, or other countries where it's not so favorable and they want to prioritize traditional banking, mm -hmm. there is still that digital divide. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I think policy can drive both investment, mm -hmm. uh, you know, regulatory sort of compliance component, but also the actual uh, operation, actualization of an idea and, and how do we bring it to the public in a safe and sort of secure way. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's great, actually. <laughs> Definitely, it is a interesting area, as you mentioned earlier as well, right? It's something that you're fulfilling others' dream and uh, keep yourself challenging, uh, like cha keep yourself challenged as well. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, thank you so much for sharing. And the next segment is more or about like fun segment or the relaxation segment. But I'm going Ooh. to give you three keywords, <laughs> three keywords which are more or associated with your profile. And yeah. how to just tell me whatever comes to your mind. So it can be a abstract content or it can be a short definition. So uh, are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> so the first word that we have is technology. For me, technology, I go with progress towards a better society wow <laughs> i like that one and the second keyword that we have is education awareness or learning i'm gonna cheat and go with two lifelong learning education wow. yeah yeah that is a good one as well and the third keyword that we have is arts arts mm -hmm. Arts, I would go with life. Wow. Yeah, that is yeah. I love jazz, jazz music. I We need arts. We need the arts to help it's us. Important, uh, essential segment of life, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing and being impromptu. We are moving towards the next segment, which is more about exploring your career work or volunteering. And when I saw your profile or when I visited your website as well, uh, Dream Galaxy, there are so many things actually uh, I should yeah. ask you, but with the time limit, I, we, are, we are going to limit it with the, some, like, you know, one question, but I would definitely encourage audience to check your website. So the question that we have is, uh, you have the Dream Galaxy Academy, so tell us more about it. Yeah, um, so um, Dream Galaxy Academy, I'll start by describing what it is and, and kind of share a little bit on where we are today, um, um, is an educational platform. Mm -hmm. or online learning platform and our goal is to really distribute uh, culturally relevant or responsive learning materials from all over the world through news uh, audio uh, videos uh, and this could be documentaries or lectures mm -hmm. uh, and the idea is you know for people to see themselves in the media they consume oh. uh, so the idea kind of started with me being in New York and just trying to watch African films and realizing there's not a lot of African content on television. Mm -hmm. So we originally started as an uh, entertainment platform for children's content, but we've since evolved uh, because teachers kept telling us, this is great stuff, we're using it in a classroom. And so we thought, yeah, maybe education is where we should focus. Uh, and so when students, so even you know professionals, mm -hmm. uh, people I mentor right now that are building companies on the continent, Mm -hmm. uh, they all get to know they're talking to somebody who understands them, who looks like them, 
uh, and can really actually share knowledge with them. Uh, and so I think uh, for anybody at any age group, whether you're five to 10 year old, which is when you're most influenced and you're learning, uh, you're a teenager uh, or college, you know, working professional, <laughs> I think to learn from media that represents you, continuing to learn from people like you uh, mm -hmm. is very important. And that's uh, at the core of what we do. And, and we try to partner with different uh, educational networks um, as well as other content uh, partners, including studios. So it is moreover like whoever wants to be the mentor or the teacher, uh, they can go as a teacher, and whoever wants to be a student, they can be a student. Is it right? Yeah, it, it's uh -huh. it's it's really. I think it's like lifelong learning as a concept uh, being realized, so that you know people can contribute to new content. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, learning doesn't start or end at the university or at the school. Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, people can learn things that interest them in their own time. Mm -hmm. and I think we want to be a platform for that. Um, again, focusing on uh, just content that's somewhat localized. So if you're learning about Africa or Latin America, you're learning mm -hmm. about, about those areas from content that's actually created by people in those regions. Okay. So you don't have about translation or other kind of challenges that often get stereotyped or mixed up. Yeah. Yes, and very visionary as well, I guess, uh, to see that. Um, yeah, I'm originally from Uganda, East Africa. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's great, actually. And thank you so much for sharing that. It is definitely useful for audience out there to check it out. And, you know, if they're interested, they should go ahead and, you know, share their knowledge, actually, through this platform. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, we are moving towards the second last segment of this particular episode, which is uh, tips, advice, or books or courses. You sure. have actually your own books published, which is uh, you have published two books, author of Cashless Society 101 and The Last Digital Frontier. So in sure. this particular segment, actually, while giving the tips or advice to the students, uh, you can support your answer, your books or courses as well. Definitely, I will encourage audience to check your books first. And uh, if you have any additional things to add, you are welcome to do that. So the question sure. we have is, any tips or advice would you like to give to the students or the professionals who are looking to get into this kind of area like you know uh, digital space and educational where they want to mentor somebody or learn more and looking at this as their long-term career option uh, what would be that advice like or maybe you can give an advice as an entrepreneur as well like you know to somebody yeah or a yeah so I would, I would say in summary, the space I'm in is, I would say management consulting, trying to break into private equity or having a fund, mm -hmm. because it's really all about operating and financing enterprises uh, is, oh, that's a good one. I should run with that sometimes, right? <laughs> uh, so that's the space that I would say I'm in. Um, as far as I broke in by getting my first job at the New York Stock Exchange, and that really helped me understand more on what makes you know, companies succeed over decades or hundreds of years. Uh, and I was just often fascinated by the concept of time, of what makes organizations last beyond just the hype of the time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think long-term thinking as a concept mm -hmm. comes to mind. Uh, I, I think often the best decisions uh, are long-term decisions. So if you think of what you want to be 10 years from now and you start working towards that today, chances are you get there but you have to start today right yes. and, and so when you think a long term 
it takes away the pressure of like just making a, a decision in the moment that may be emotional. But if it's a little uh, separated by time, um, that allows you to to have more time to think through the benefits and all that. Um, as far as resources, uh, I've liked uh, this. Peter Drucker has an interesting book called "Getting Getting It uh, Right" or "Getting It Done" or something like that. And it's essentially all about. It's a very simple read, less than a hundred pages, but it's about management and and mm -hmm. and prepare for a meeting, how do you get the best out of people mm -hmm. you know with, and I've kind of literally taken that to heart, mm -hmm. where I always over-prepare, mm -hmm. I always do my part, mm -hmm. and so I'm not the one people are waiting on, like I always wanted a part, and that has helped me gain some kind of trustworthy reputation for just doing what I say I'm going to do, and I think that's a basic decent goal to aspire towards, right? Mm -hmm. um, my two books are, well, The Last Digital Frontier is really about the history and future of science and technology in Africa. And mm -hmm. I wrote it primarily interested in Africa as a continent. What was it like before colonialism? What is it, what, what happened during colonialism and what can we do moving forward? So I think I would recommend it to anybody just interested in understanding emerging markets. Obviously, I, I, I relate to other topics in there. Mm -hmm. um, it's really about digitalization and automation. Mm -hmm. um, jobs have already been lost during this <laughs> pandemic. Uh, and then I bring back because robots are doing them. Mm -hmm. uh, I think for me, it, it's just an exploration on ethics. Mm -hmm. doing the right thing is. And so often, whether you're a student or you're going to be a professional or you're going to be a leader or manager, <laughs> you're forced in so little details. Often we think of ethics as coming through when there's a big crisis. Sometimes uh -huh. it's tell my boss today that I'm not going to finish the work on time. Or it could be something more complicated like, do we tell the regulator <laughs> that you're not compliant, but we're working on being compliant, right? Yeah. So... Mm -hmm. I think of, of ethics is something that's not being taught a lot in schools or being encouraged because often you're looked at as being a snitch or like a troublemaker when you're questioning mm -hmm. and you ask, are we really doing it the right way, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and I think that that conversation around that should be normalized. Uh, and I'm sure there's a ton of other resources as far as entrepreneurship. Uh, Steve Blank is kind of my go-to guy. <laughs> uh, he's a professor of books. Uh, I think you can find them on steveblank.com, but he also has a blog. Uh, so he has, you know, lots of resources wow. um, really help people on their entrepreneurial journey. And, and again, it comes back to maybe doing. Yeah. I, he calls it getting out there, go talk to people. Yes. You know, don't think in your head, uh, but actually do. And so I'm actually glad we're talking because to me, it, talking and networking is part of the learning process. So yeah, I would say, yeah, get out of your head and meet people. Yeah, yeah, I think in this new world, it is the new kind of a learning methodology that you actually interact with the people and learn more. So yeah. uh, it's not about only, you know, going to the school or something. It is more about getting the practical experience around as well. So thank you so much for sharing. And this was really, very wise. Um, we are moving towards the closure, which is more about the leadership. And sure. how you are leading your area of interest. 
So what is your leadership style and any specific leader that you always admire or why? Yeah, my leadership style is more, um, I guess, kind of all his affair. Like, uh, it's basically uh, delegation, I, I would call it, right? So setting the vision, explaining what we're trying to achieve. Uh, even if I'm being brought in externally, sometimes you're brought in as a consultant or an, an advisor to an existing company that already has its vision. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. Let's reacquaint ourselves with the vision and what we're trying to accomplish. And then let's make sure we know uh, what we have, what resources mm-hmm. from human to finance to technology because those tend to be the limits, right? Or time as well. And so who's going to do what with the, with the resources they have from uh-huh. the time they have, the time. And, and, and then it comes down to reporting. Mm-hmm. What did you do today, this week, this month? What are you doing next? And where do you need help? If I ask those three questions, it doesn't matter if it's a big executive or intern, Mm-hmm. As long as people practice answering those questions uh, and asking for the help when they need help in time, not when it's too late, mm-hmm. I find that things always work out. And, and so that's been an easy way to instill culture mm-hmm. without creating operational sort of words. I just say, no, I want you to answer these three questions every day uh-huh. and report to the relevant people every week or every month. And that seems to do it if people do it. <laughs> doing yeah. it is one thing yeah but i i think uh, other kind of philosophies uh i suppose doing the right thing since i did um, start talking ethics do the right thing by the customer any stakeholder different the right thing means different things to different people mm, yep yep that is true and, and the dilemma comes when they conflict mm-hmm. when in doubt mm-hmm. it's the customer or the business i i think those two uh, can 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 kind of be your guide. Oh, okay, okay. There's wow. always like the business is not a person, and well, by U.S. for tax purposes, it is a person or some kind of. But mm-hmm. think of it as its own entity with its own vision outside individuals or even employees. So you often want to think more of what's good for it because that's what helps, mm-hmm. and it's all purposes to thrive in the long term. Mm-hmm. After you're gone. Mm-hmm. And so that helps take the pressure off. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. It's what's good for the business. Mm-hmm. What can you do for the business? What can you do? And that sort of mindset, I, I think, is much, much better than I am the best I feel attacked. Yes, yes, yes. And that's definitely a good leadership style to have. Uh, do you want to specify any specific leader that you always follow or admire and why? Um... I, I would say, I suppose I, I change, <laughs> I, like every year, you know, you, you want to have a, a new, uh, I would say right now, or oh, the last five years, uh, I know uh, I, more than last six years, I suppose. Uh, Tony Almelo, he's an American billionaire. He was a Harvard educated, uh, he's made his money through banking and, and is now sort of uh, supporting a lot of African entrepreneurs. Um, I think he's very open in terms of sharing his principles and and really actively being involved uh, in in sort of Africa venture building mm-hmm. uh, at a time when most people think it's not 
easy to do business in Africa has been very proactive in, in trying to demystify that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me to, again, kind of see like a successful you know, African business person, when I grew up at a time where business was frowned upon, you had to be a doctor, you had to do this, like that's been very, very uh, comforting. Obviously, I'm not a billionaire, but my point is that find people that inspire you mm-hmm. in the thing you're trying to do. Uh, and learn what you can from them, but don't copy everything because they, you know, they have their own different situations. But I think leadership uh, is 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 mostly serving and sh- and and teaching. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. And, and okay. great leaders as well as sharing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I agree on that point. So thank you so much for sharing and being the guest on the Soli Saturday. Definitely, it was one of the areas I would definitely like to, you know, uh, see how it grows uh, when it comes to the digitalization. So yeah. thank you so much for being a guest and really appreciate all your time and consideration. Sure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All right. So this is all about Brian and the way he's managing to lead his area of expertise in the consulting as well as the digital digitalization. Before we close our today's episode, we have a closure quote from a Scott Belsky, which says, well, we believe that augmented reality is one of those new mediums that could be as big as, if not bigger than the web. One of the areas where consumers adopt something new is when it makes something drastically easier. When I think about augmented reality, I think about instances like finding your way somewhere, finding your friends in a stadium, or going to a conference and looking around and knowing who everyone is because their LinkedIn profile is hanging over their heads. I think we will start finding a lot of things like that where augmented reality just removes friction. So on that quote, we are closing today's episode. See you guys in the next episode. Until we meet, happy leading. Let's lead together. Stay safe. Bye for now.